Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Well, of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond so derek tell me how your week has been well it's been pretty eventful um the 2019 blue wahoos regular season has officially wrapped Woohoo! um they did make the playoffs so i'll have at least one more game to work which is this friday uh, depending on what happens after that, there could be two more early next week. But as far as, you know, having to work five consecutive days in a row, uh, that's over at least until April. So so whenever they get into the uh, the playoffs, are you guys just like, damn it, you guys, why can't you suck? <laughs> depends on who you ask. From I mean, from a business standpoint, you know, you want the playoffs just because they're extra games and extra opportunity to make money. Yeah. Uh, side note, BJ Wandland is in the chat room and oh, he sweet. says, I think your audio is muted. Audio is muted. Why would it be muted? Yeah, for some reason, there's no audio going. Um, that's weird. Come on. Audio. That is very weird. Well, while you work on that, um, it's really in the in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal because, like I said, it's really just one game and possibly two more. So it just takes up one day, and I still got the weekend to, you know, do whatever. So, yeah. um, um, other than that, um, the Parker Syndrome that this was kind of some exciting news won its first two awards for um, the the Diamond Film Awards hosted over in Italy. Uh, we won for the month of August. We won best narrative short, and yours truly won best first time director. Which <laughs> I, I submitted that just thank you. No, I, I submitted that kind of just for the heck of it because I figured I likely won't get it, but I don't know unless I actually try it, and I won. So that's awesome. It, it was. Um, it was really surprising, and you know, I wrote something on Facebook that the whole thing has just been you know, extremely humbling because the amount of people that have been supportive and really the success it's already having with, you know, film festivals is, is pretty mind blowing. Yeah. Um, I don't know the full details of it and we'll, we'll announce full details next week once I have them, but next Saturday we could be doing a screening of both 
survey, which you acted in and I ran audio for, mm-hmm. and the Parker syndrome. So it'll be a nice, uh, nice double feature. So hopefully we'll have more information uh, about that next week. Okay, um, I'm gonna pause the uh, the show real quick, and um, I'm gonna restart OBS because for some reason the audio is not going out. So we're gonna pause for just one moment. And uh, those of you listening at home won't know anything's amiss. And we are back. You didn't even see. You didn't even miss us. We were only gone for like like a split second. I got nothing. <laughs> so no, I I did want to say congratulations, and I'm very 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 proud of you for winning the the best direct uh, best new director or best first time director at uh, the Diamond Film Awards. And I, and like Steve said, I wonder if they gave you that because of the last name. <laughs> I, I thought about that. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it either way. But no, it was it was really cool, and I, I should be getting more notifications. Uh, and now my picture's gone in the chat. Uh, what is going on? Come on, OBS, you're killing me. Uh, come on. I mean, it's probably best that no one see my my face or whatever, but it just looks weird. Uh, that's me. Where are you? Let's see. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna pause the show again real quick. And we're back again. We finally got OBS working. Thanks, OBS, for being crap tonight. <laughs> what are you talking about? There were no issues. Yeah, no issues whatsoever. Um, yeah. no, I, nothing to see here. Move I, on. I did want to tell everybody, um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we had Mr. Joey Image and uh, Mr. Wiley Phelps on the show, and we did our wrestling episode where we talked about uh, which – do we think is better the eighties era wrestling or attitude era? And I'm going to say it's probably one of our finest episodes we ever made. For me personally, I think it's in our top three easily. Mm -hmm. It was just so much fun. It is completely different than what we normally talk about, but I thought we made very good points either way on, you know, why we think the era that we grew up in is better. Yeah. I loved it. I wish we could do that all the time. So if people want to hear more episodes like that, you got to get us back up to that $50 level. Absolutely. We'll do that. Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Every month we will do that. So I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited to get to the news tonight. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. From NintendoLife.com, Retro Beat-Em-Up Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl gets a limited run for NES. Jay and Silent Bob fans are in for a treat next week with lim- with limited run games announcing the 8-bit companion brawler Jay and Silent Bob Mall Brawl is receiving a limited run for the NES on, this, on September 6th. As usual, you'll be able to pick up a standard copy, copy or you can opt with the collector's edition. This fancier version... Uh, We'll include a copy of the game, a premium-style rigid box, original 8-bit video game soundtrack, a poster, and art cards. Of course, the stock will be limited, so make your reserve of a copy as soon as possible. And it doesn't give the price for the regular edition, but the the limited edition is $84.99. And actually, it looks kind of worth it. There's a lot of cool stuff that comes with this. I just have two words. Snoochie Boochies. No, this looks, this looks great. Uh, I love that art. Like, uh, It looks so cool because the cover is is uh, a complete takeoff on Double Dragon 2. And uh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, some of the things that comes with it, you have the cartridge, premium book-style rigid box with silver foil stamping, original 8-bit video game soundtrack, an 18 by 24 poster, mm-hmm. and art cards. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> There's one here that's got, uh, it looks like a Nintendo Power, the very first issue of Nintendo Power, but it's got uh, Silent Bob on the front, and it says Chronic Power. I know, I love it. <laughs> that's so awesome. This, this is fun. 
I, I found this story the other day and was like, we have to talk about this. I know we're both big Kevin Smith fans. Oh, yeah. So I knew I knew you'd get a kick out of this. It's oh, great. And I uh, forgot to tell you, um, uh, Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante in, uh, in Clerks and Clerks 2, who was also Dracula in my little short film called Monsters Anonymous, uh, he's going to be in town in Biloxi on Thursday, this Thursday. So if you're listening to this when it drops on Wednesday morning, Thursday evening at the Shed Barbecue Joint uh, on Highway 57 in Jackson County, uh, Brian O'Halloran is going to be in town doing a meet and greet because uh, he's in town for um, a benefit that's for uh, the Warriors for Willow that we're doing in New Orleans. I'm going to be working at it on Friday night. But, uh, but he's going to be in town Thursday, so if you want to go meet Dante himself, be at the shed at between six to, from 6 to 8, he's going to be there. And I'll be there, too. So if you want to see me, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, between the two of you, I think that's more than enough reason to go. Oh, oh yeah. Come say hi. And uh, you don't have to get my autograph, but, you know, if you want to talk video games or something, I'll be there. No, you got to charge at least 50 bucks an autograph. Well, at least a hundred an autograph make it make it worth my uh, my time because I'll probably only get one <laughs> autograph request anyway. So. <laughs> but hey, that's a hundred bucks. Yeah, it'd be nice. So you hear that? If you want my autograph, it's gonna be a hundred bucks, right there. <laughs> Put that shit in my hand. <laughs> hundred bucks, great. little man. Man, put that shit in, in my, my hand. hand. <laughs> if that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. My jungle, my jungle love. Oh, oh, oh. That was one of the best scenes of that entire movie. <laughs> that was perfect. That's fantastic. But our next story comes to us from laughingplace.com. Disney's Aladdin and the Lion King retro games getting an updated re release. Fans of the 1990s releases of the Aladdin and Lion King video games can step back in time and rediscover these classics on today's consoles. Nighthawk Interactive and Digital Eclipse are re-releasing the retro games with a few new fun updates. October 29th, the 16-bit magic of Disney's Aladdin and Lion King games complete with new features and enhancements will be re-released for the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. It will include the fan favorites of each original title featuring upscale graphics to support HD displays and additional upgrades to enhance playability on current consoles. Now, my initial thought on this, don't get me wrong, I think it's very cool, but of course it would happen right after I review Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> of course it's got to happen too, right? As, uh, you know, um, the the Genesis Mini's about to come out, and um, also uh, uh, the, new, the Legend of Zelda um, Link's Awakening is coming out. So there's just too much coming out this month. I know I was actually thinking about that the other day because I know the the S uh, not the SNES mini but the Sega Genesis mini is the big one. Mm-hmm. Right before that or right after I think is Link's Awakening, which yes. I, I'm getting excited to play because you know I, I love that game so much and I, I like the revamped look of it. I, I think it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Well, I saw that it was up for a presale the other day on the Switch store and I was really really tempted to get it for presale, but. I want to get an actual physical copy of it. I don't know what it is about Nintendo games, but I always want physical copies of of Nintendo games. Oh, totally. But let's see. Speaking of physical copies, there will be physical copies available of the Aladdin and Lion King re-releases for twenty nine ninety nine mm-hmm. through retailers including GameStop, Amazon, Best Buy, Target, and Walmart. And the collection also includes a brand new final cut of Aladdin and an original Aladdin trade show demo that has not been publicly available <laughs> since 1993. Wow. I definitely think it's worth it. I mean, 30 bucks for two games with additional features, I, I, I think is a pretty good deal. Yeah, box art's pretty cool, too. I think this is going to be a, a pretty good seller, especially for little kids who never got to play these games back in the day. These are good games. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. They were classics, you know, back in the day. Yeah, this was when Capcom, back in Capcom's heyday. Oh, Capcom was so great back in the day. Yeah, they were. <laughs> um, and this next story, this is our, our last story for the night. Um, 
It's kind of a weird story, but I thought we'd share it here. Um, machine learning, actually, this is from uh, geek.com. Machine learning translates Japanese retro games in real time. If you want to experience the whole breadth of video game history, not just the narrow slice that publishers are willing to sell you on a given day, chances are you're using emulators. Retro consoles are cool and all, but emulators give you even more control as to what classic blasts for the past you can legally play on your PC. Uh, emulators can even offer modern conveniences to those old games like uh, online function functionality or generous save states. And now a new, a nifty new 1.7.8 update to RetroArch coming soon to Steam uses machine learning to translate Japanese console and arcade video games in real time. As reported by Kotaku, the feature is called AI Service and offers several different translation tools. It can pause the game and display English subtitles for the Japanese text, or you can use a text-to-speech program to read the text to you. It even works across multiple languages in both directions. Translation, handled by an algorithm rather than a human, is never going to be 100%, but considering the hilar hilariously bad translation work of many classic games, you probably won't even tell the difference. And even just making obscure foreign games, uh, games that never made it overseas, more legible to a wider audience, furthers the goal of games preservation that emulators are so useful for. So what do you think about this? This is pretty cool because there's a lot of games that I've played that I have ROMs for that are actual Japanese releases that were never released in, uh, in the United States that I would love to use this on because it's hard to kind of get started with those games because you can't really tell what you're doing on like the loading screens and all that kind of stuff. So I think this would be a pretty cool uh, tool to use. Yeah, I agree. I'm surprised that something like this wasn't, you know, made available sooner. But it's yeah. one of those things that you don't really think about. But now that it's brought up, you're like, yeah, there are a lot of, you know, games that were released in Japan that never made it over to the States. Yeah, and then there were a lot of games that had really horrible translations, too. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like the meme, all your base are belong to us. <laughs> you know, that kind of... What do they used to call it? English back in the day. <laughs> I yeah. don't, I'm not really sure if that's a racist term or not, but that's what it was referred to because it was like we talked about a few weeks ago. You know, kanji is takes up a lot less room than English. So when it's translated to an English and you only have so much room, a lot of the translation gets lost and you get like these broken sentences, especially in like Castlevania 2. Simon's Quest, like there, there's a lot of mistranslation in that game, which is what made that game so hard because you couldn't really know what to do because it didn't really the language didn't translate that well. Yeah, I know that I want to say it was Final Fantasy three. There were some words that, and it may have been by design, but there were some words that weren't the actual Japanese translation. Mm -hmm. That may not be the best example to use, but. It's the one that I think of when I hear about, you know, translations not being, you know, that accurate. Yeah. But like regardless, I, I, I think this is a cool thing. Like, I have this one game on emulator, and it, um, I can't, for some reason, I can't think of the name. It's like Home, Welcome Home or something like that. And it's uh, kind of the what Resident Evil was based off of. It was an NES game, and it was only released in Japan on, uh, on the Famicom. Uh, it was an 8-bit game that inspired or was kind of a precursor to Resident Evil. So I really would like to play that game, but I can't read anything in it. So I would love to have this little translator being able to to read what the hell's on the screen. Well, and soon you'll be able to. That sounds awesome. I love it. I love that we live in this day and age where we get cool stuff like this. God bless technology. <laughs> Um, uh, that's it for the news tonight, so let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, ooh, you know what? I'm gonna play the new one. Hold on, just a second. Yeah. In 1979, September to be exact, NEC releases the PC 8001, the first in the PC 8000 series of home computers. Let's see what this bad boy looks like. I love old computers. Oh, man. 
Wow, that thing is 70s as hell. It's got Snoopy on it. Does it? Oh, yeah. That's, is that? Yeah, on the monitor. Yeah. This thing was, in the U.S., it was $1,295, equivalent to $3,569 in 2018. Look at the size of that floppy drive. I know. Look at that thing. That, that's bigger than a VCR. The sad thing is you're right. It is. <laughs> the thing's bigger than the monitor. It is. That's crazy. Wow. Jeez. Still want to have one, though. Yeah, that'd be great. September of 1981, Namco releases Galaga, the sequel to Galaxian, which becomes more popular than the original. And who doesn't love Galaga? One of the most iconic arcade games of all time, and you can make the argument that it's the most iconic. Yeah, I would, I'd say it's definitely in the top five. Oh, definitely. Uh, in September you can't have 19- too much fun with Galaga. Oh, yeah. I love the new Galaga. Have you played the new Galaga machines they have? Um, uh, there's one at the, uh, the Margaritaville Casino here on the coast, and it's Mm-mm. this huge screen, and it's like... It's like Galaga on steroids. Like, it's so fast, and there are so many enemies on the screen. It's awesome. Now, that sounds like a lot of fun. No, I've, I've heard of that, but I've never, I've never actually played the new Galaga machine. You, you need to come over here one weekend for the day, and let's go to the, the arcade. No, for sure. And we got the new um, go-kart track, too, open that we got to go to. <laughs> I want to go go-kart. You guys have a new go-kart track? <laughs> yeah. Like high-speed yeah. go-kart track. They just opened up like a couple months ago. Do we get red shells and banana peels? Maybe. I'm going to bring my own banana peels, though. <laughs> That's probably smart. You know somebody's done that before at a go-kart track. Oh, I yeah. Bet I'm sure you get... If it were me, like I, I would understand you can't do it, but I would laugh my ass <laughs> I'm off. I'm sure you get thrown the hell out for doing that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, in September of 1982, Sega releases the maze game Pengo, starring a cute little penguin. Let's see what Pengo looks like. Yeah, he is a cute little penguin. Oh, yeah. We talked about this before. Yeah. It reminds me, this character looks like he came straight out of one of the classic cartoon eras from yeah. like Scooby-Doo, like that, oh, that yeah. era of cartoons. It reminds me of that little penguin on the, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Maybe that was the inspiration. Maybe. In September of 1987, the Master System is released in Europe. And not too long after that, the uh, Genesis comes out. Mm-hmm. I would do want to get my hands on a Master System, though. I think, honestly, I think one of the biggest reasons the Master System didn't do as well as Nintendo, the box art for the Master System games was awful. Do you, you ever see yeah. that? Oh, that grid paper looking background. Yeah, they were pretty atrocious. I'd like to have one just for the sake of having one. You know, I'd love to have like a giant shelf with all the, um, like pretty much every major console ever made and, and organize them like in chronological order. Oh, yeah. That's I think that'd I be really too. cool. Uh, on September 14th of 1989, Capcom releases DuckTales for the NES based on the Disney animated TV series of the same name. Still one of the best NES games ever made. And I just watched DuckTales the movie the other day, just for the hell of it. Oh, the one with the genie? Yeah, The Secret of the Lost Lamp or something, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. I love that movie as a kid. so good. I remember going yeah. to the theater to watch it. That, I love DuckTales. I still do. I still have the uh, the seasons on DVD. I haven't watched the series in forever, but it, it's it's one of the best cartoons from that era, and one of the few adaptations that went from show to game. Yeah, and was actually very successful. And I think I did a review of Ducktales on the show, didn't I? Yeah, it was one of the first. Okay, yeah, Ducktales is still like one of probably. In the top five of my favorite NES games. Like, if I only, if I could only have, five, if I was stuck on a desert island and only had five games to bring with me, DuckTales would definitely be on that list. No, it's a fantastic game. 
Let's see. September 1991, Namco releases Starblade for arcades, featuring one of the earliest instances of real-time 3D graphics in video games. Mm. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Starblade. Look this up. I don't remember this game at all. I don't, but I like the the arcade setup. Yeah, that's a pretty cool uh, arcade cabinet. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my up- Upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's my favorite thing to see in arcades are, are cabinets like that that really, you know, just stand out. Yeah. There was, um, I was in Tallahassee a few months ago, and this arcade that we went to had a, um, had a Halo, um, a Halo arcade game that had basically a setup, like you actually walk in, it's almost like a very tiny room, <laughs> and you have, it's a two-player game, like you walk in like this very tiny, it's almost like a hallway, and then on one end of the box is where player one sits, and the other end is where player two sits. That's cool. It was, it was really cool. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Let me get back to my Google Doc. Um, uh, September 9th, 1994, the Super NES version of Mortal Kombat 2 is released with all blood and fatalities left intact. The first major release on any Nintendo console at that point to have such content. Yeah, because Nintendo knew they were going to lose out to uh, the Genesis if they didn't leave all the blood in. Yeah, that was a big deal when it was taken out of the first game. Oh, I remember. That was... But was a big deal. <laughs> good thing they learned from their mistakes. I haven't played Mortal Kombat 2 in forever. I love Mortal you know, Kombat I, 2. That was my favorite one. Yeah, the both 1 and 2 are are very good. You know, I'll, I'll have to track down a copy of Mortal Kombat 2 and review mm-hmm. it at some point cuz I I haven't played it since probably the 90s. Yeah, same here. I love playing Baraka. He was my favorite. Uh Baraka's a beast. Yeah. You would you could just piss everybody off because all you got to do is just keep hitting the back button and and doing the whole thing where he shoots it out the blades out of his arms and just does like the you know the scissor chop because nobody can get to you at that point he's like so ridiculously overpowered. Uh, some of us would call that spamming. Yeah, I call it smart strategy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> strategy and a close. And it closes out on this month in video game history. On September 9th of 1996, Naughty Dog and Universal released the first Crash Bandicoot for the Sony PlayStation. I remember playing Crash Bandicoot back in the day. Still to this day have not been able to beat the first game. And I still remember uh, Sony trying to force Crash Bandicoot onto the public consciousness as a new video game mascot. Didn't work. (laughs) <laughs> Which is a shame because I, I like the Crash Bandicoot games, but yeah. when it comes to those mascot characters, he's definitely, you know, third tier to Mario and Sonic. Oh, yeah. But still fun games, though. Yeah. Before we go into our uh, review for tonight, we do want to give some shout-outs to our Patreon supporters. So, Derek, you want to give those shout-outs really quickly? Yeah, so we want to give a shout-out to Axeblade07. Chris Collingwood, Daniel Salmon, and Justin Olson. And if you want to join those guys and get a shout-out right here on the show, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Throw us a couple bucks a month. I think we've got, what, like a $1 tier, a $3 tier, a $5 tier. 
Even at the $1 level, that helps us out and gets us back up to that $50 level where we do those extra shows every month instead of just, you know, a show like we did last week where we did it as a regular episode. If you get us back to the $50 level, we will do that as an extra episode every month. So you'll have five episodes every month as opposed to four. And it'll be a cool episode about... uh, you know, uh, maybe like an old movie or, you know, a TV show or old, you know, retro something or other. Maybe something to do with video games, just whatever. We'll even put up polls on the Patreon for what you guys want us to talk about. So we know how much you love guys like Joey Image and Wally coming on the show. So if you want to have more that more of that, go get us back up to that $50 level. Absolutely. You know, some of our best shows in its existence have been the specialty shows like the wrestling show we did last week, like the Mario Brothers movie commentary, the wizard commentary. (laughs) And you can get those extra shows by heading over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we'd very much appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. And tonight I am going to be talking about... is Terminator 3, The Redemption for GameCube, and also it was released on the original Xbox and the PlayStation 2. Uh, It was based on the Terminator series, more specifically the film Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. It was developed by Paradigm Entertainment and published by Atari in 2004. Uh, It was produced by video game production uh, studio Paradigm. Uh, Lead game designer Sean Wright indicated in a GameSpy interview that this provided many advantages such as an existing universe and characters, but also said that a disadvantage is that content needed to be sent out to California to be approved. So the thing is, is like, I think it was Atari. Was it Atari or Paradigm Entertainment that actually made the original movie tie-in for Terminator 3? And that game kind of sucked. So they went back to the drawing board and made this game to kind of as almost like as an apology for the Terminator 3 game, um, which I remember playing that Terminator 3 game. I don't remember it being that bad of a game at the time. I did finish that game, although I don't re- really remember much from it. But I'm one of the few people that actually kind of liked that movie. So... I don't know, and I, I feel bad that it's getting kind of wiped out of the uh, the Terminator sort of you know mythology. I even like the um, what was the one uh, Salvation? I thought Salvation was great. Like I did too. That's a really good movie. I went back and watched it again not too long ago, and I and that's a very good movie. I think it was given a, a bad rap, and I think people need to go back and watch it again with fresh eyes. And see that it was it was a really good movie, and um, I am a huge fan of the Terminator series. Like I, I think Terminator Two is still probably the best science fiction movie that's ever been made. I think the original Terminator is probably the best B movie that's ever been made, and yes. I love the the mythology of it. I love the story, like the, the the world building that they've done. I love anything to do with like, you know, the post apocalyptic future of you know man fighting the machines and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just so into that world. And when I first started playing this, um, I really liked it at first. Like it's kind of um they don't really make games like this anymore where there's a lot of cutscenes, but it's not really an open world type of game. It's more like kind of not necessarily on rails, but you have like a certain path you have to take. Like there's really no kind of exploration or anything. It's like you're going down this set path and you have, um, there's like four, four or five um, kind of stages to the game. And within those stages are like four or five um, levels. And within those levels, 
um, you know, the sub levels, like within each kind of stage of the level, there are kind of three phases to each one. Like you go to uh, like, and (laughs) I'm trying to find a good way to explain this because there's like five stages to the game. And within each of those stages is five levels. And within those levels, like you, you start the level and there's a, a part where you're doing kind of a walking through, you know, like trying to get somewhere as the T850 and you go through like a walking part fighting with uh, the T900s. And then you're like, you got, you're trying to get all your human fighters to like a certain area. You get to an area, then you have uh, a cutscene, and then you go to like a driving portion. And then you get through the driving portion, you get another cutscene, and then you kind of go to the end of that level before you move on to the next sort of level. So each level kind of has three different phases to it. Here's my problem. If you're going to make me have three different phases to each level, and you're going to give me cutscenes, give me... Uh, <laughs> give me a checkpoint. <laughs> At each cutscene, please don't make me get all the way to the end of the level and then have to, if I die, restart the whole freaking level all over again. Oh my god, that sucks ass! <laughs> That's terrible. And the game's cool because you can upgrade the T850, like, you go through each level, you get um like upgrade ability, like credits or whatever to upgrade your abilities, like your ability to recharge your, your energy faster, um, your Terminator vision, uh, things like that. You can upgrade all that stuff as you go. Problem is, is when you're going through these levels, you're constantly taking physical damage. And no matter, and the more I went through the levels, the more I started to learn like, okay, well, there's going to be a Terminator coming around this corner, right? There's going to be an HK around this corner. I got to where I could get as little damage as possible, but you still take a ton of damage no matter what you do. And the problem is, is every time you go to the end of a phase and you get to a cutscene and you go to the next phase, you would think that you would get some sort of like energy recovery or something, but you don't. And even when you get into a vehicle, the vehicle takes damage, but you also take damage too. So you're constantly taking damage this whole time. And if your damage gets down to zero, you die and you have to start the level over again. And I got to the point where I was playing the same one level over and over and over again. And I don't know if I'm just getting old or... That's just the way games were, and we didn't notice it. I don't have time for that shit anymore. <laughs> I, no. you know, I only have maybe you know three, maybe four hours a week to play these games and review them. And if you're gonna make me play the same level for hours trying to get through it, I'm I have no time for it. So I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm done. And I took the game out, and I'm not going to play it anymore. As much as I liked it when I first started playing it, I, I thought the, the graphics were awesome. The, the controls were really smooth. Everything about the game is good, except for that crappy having to play the same shit over and over and over again. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That sounds frustrating. It's awful. Because I didn't know, because you had mentioned that you were going to rant about something on the show, and I, I wanted to wait until the actual show to hear what it was. But, I mean, from what I've seen of it, like it looks like a, a fun game to play. I, I missed out on this. You know, Like you, I'm a defender of Terminator 3 and Salvation. So having a game that's you know, based off of Terminator 3, I think, is, is an interesting concept, but... that makes me not ever want to play it. No, there's no reason to, because I mean, it's so frustrating. And I mean, the plot of the game is cool. I mean, the story starts in the year 2032 with a squad of tech comm soldiers storming a Skynet facility in order to stop a TX from entering a time displacement machine. However, they are no match for her superior capabilities and are gruesomely killed. 
Kate Brewster and the human resistance ambushed the T-850 that was responsible for the death of John Connor. A tech comm technician reprograms him to be sent back to July 23, 2004 to protect Kate and John's earlier selves. The T-850, with the assistance of several tech comm soldiers, manages to fight its way to the main gate of Skynet bunker, and it enters the time displacement machine. I mean, this is everything you want in a Terminator game, but it's so frustratingly hard it's not fun. Yeah, and we talk about this every now and then. There, There's a line that you can't cross between frustratingly hard in the sense that it motivates you to keep going, and then when you cross the line, it's frustratingly hard to the point where you just say, screw it, yeah. and you don't want to play it anymore. And, there was and it some, sounds like this crosses that line. There was another Terminator game, too, back in the day. See, Terminator... PS2 games. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Terminator, Rampage. Nope, 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 not that. Dawn of Fate. Did you ever play Terminator Dawn of Fate? That sounds familiar, but I did not. That, I remember being a really good Terminator game. Uh, and there's not much on it on the uh, the Wikipedia page, but I was kind of hoping that this would be uh, kind of maybe that same style. Um, let's see. It was, the game was based before and during the events that lead up to Kyle Reese being sent through the time displacement equipment to protect Sarah Connor. The story introduces players to Skynet models not previously seen and introduces hum hybrid human cyborg soldiers created by Skynet character of Perry, mentioned in the first Terminator film, appears as a major playable character in the game. And, uh, yeah, this was a really good game. I remember renting this at the time, and I actually played it all the way to the end. I, I rented it, like, several times to so that I could beat it. And um, I was really hoping this game would be like that, because, like I said, I really love, um, you know, Terminator, everything Terminator. And I just... I just couldn't do it. As much as I wanted to finish this game, I just couldn't do it. And yeah, BJ Wallen, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no checkpoints at the cutscenes. Like I said, nope, no checkpoints. If you're not gonna give me a checkpoint at a cutscene, like we had the we had the technology. This game was what? What year did this game come out? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. We had the technology. For checkpoints, why would you not put checkpoints in your game? I, I don't Maybe they it. just felt like trolling. Maybe. Uh, were they just trying to, I, I don't know, extend the life of the game? Or I, I, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't get it. I Some don't of these know. older games, I just want to go back to the developers and be like, just what were you thinking? Why did you do this? Why did you not put this in there? Why did you put this in there? I, I don't know. That sucks. Yeah, <laughs> that actually really sucks. Because I, I was I was exciting. You know, I was excited to hear your thoughts on the game, and just that one little detail can just screw it all up. Like I said, I was having fun the first probably hour or two of the game. I was playing. I was like, man, this is really cool, really fun. Then all of a sudden, like the difficulty just jacks up, and you can't get anywhere yeah and i'm not i don't have the patience i'm 42 years old i don't have the patience to play the same damn levels over and over again so on a scale of one to ten you know i can't be fair to this game because i didn't finish it but the game wasn't fair to me so on that note i'm giving this game a three out of ten man wow. it can kiss, kiss my rear <laughs> <laughs> well let me ask you this which is worse, this game or Terminator Genesis? The movie? Yeah. Oh, I I say this game is worse. That's pretty bad because <laughs> I I will I will defend Salvation and Terminator Three. Yeah. Genesis, I will not. Genesis was an awful movie. Yeah, that movie wasn't great. Well, the the thing is, is that movie was pointless. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I felt like there was no need for that movie. That's why I'm so glad they're they're going back to the drawing board, especially with James Cameron being producer. 
Like I have so much faith in this new Terminator movie. And like I said, if you haven't watched um, Terminator Salvation in a while, go back and watch it. I think it's on Netflix right now. And um, I watched it not too long ago, and I was really blown away by how much I still liked it. Like, I thought I was going to be like... Because the last time I'd seen it was in the theater. And at the time, I was like, I really liked that. And everybody else was just like, oh, that movie sucked. And then I watched it again a few months ago, and I was like, this movie's still really good. I don't see what people saw so bad about it. Yeah, it's the same with me. I I remember seeing that on opening night and actually enjoyed it. Yeah. But everybody's like, oh, it wasn't that good. But why was it not that good? Yeah. Well, a lot of people complained about the whole heart transplant thing at the end. I'm like, yeah. But you'll accept the fact that Terminators, you know, cybernetic organisms were being, you know, sent through time (laughs) to kill, you know, the resistance leader's mother. But you can't accept the fact that they did a heart transplant on a battlefield. Like, really? <laughs> but but time travel's okay, though. Yeah, time travel's okay. Cyborgs are okay. Killer cyborgs. That's cool. But, you know, no heart transplants. Can't, can't be having that. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't recommend this game at all. I wish I wouldn't have bought it. I wish I would have bought something else. That's unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. But next week's review should be better because thanks to our Patreon subscribers, um, I will be reviewing Perfect Dark for the Nintendo 64 next week. I have not played this game in a long time. I remember loving that game. Oh, same. I'm excited to play it because I I know it was made in the same sense as, you know, like a golden eye. And it was made by Rare, Mm -hmm. so... I remember was, it being a lot of fun, but I haven't played it since the N64 days, so... Wasn't that the first really, game Rare made, like, as, you know, they're sort of, uh, you know, fusing with Nintendo? Um, For the N64, possibly. Yeah, I think well, so. Let's see. Let's see, Rare and Nintendo... Let's see, rare. They gotta have a chronological list of their stuff. Yeah, they should. Are you kidding me? They don't. <laughs> wow. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that is one of the first kind of collaboration games that Rare and Nintendo did, like officially. Yeah. Let's see. Because man, I loved that game back in the day. All right, GoldenEye was before Perfect Dark. Uh, okay, yeah. So well, I just remember there was a, a lot of hype around Perfect Dark because it was such a good game, but it didn't do that well. And I think people were kind of like, why didn't it do very well? Because it's a really good game. Yeah, it came out then there was rumors in May of, of 2000. Yeah, and then there was rumors of a sequel for like years and years. People were wanting a sequel to it. Well, they did. Uh, Rare did a prequel for um, the Xbox 360. It was called Perfect Dark Zero. I remember that. Yeah, I never played it. I didn't either. But but I remember it being a thing. I remember. I, um, I'm really uh, excited to hear you talk about it because I I haven't played that game in 20 years at least. It's been pretty close for me. Because that was one of the first games I had for the N64. Yeah, it came out May of 2000. So it had to have been 2001 at the absolute most recent when I played it. And that's, gosh, almost 20 years ago. This game's almost 20 years old. Maybe I have some false memories because I could have swore it was out earlier than 2000. No, it has here as the release date. It was released in North America May 22nd of 2000. That's weird, because I, I could have swore I was playing Perfect Dark back in, like, 97 <laughs> or somewhere around there. Maybe not. Maybe I just have some weird time issues with my memory. Yeah, because this came out a couple of months before Banjo-Tooie. Okay. 
I just I remember dark. loving that game, and uh, I, I can't wait for you to talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to play it. I'm definitely going to be doing that um, throughout the weekend. All right, well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, tell the good folks before we get out of here tonight? Yeah, so this Thursday, September 5th, is the official return of my other podcast, The Derek Diamond Experience. Awesome. So that'll be out this Thursday. Um, the interview I, I actually did uh, earlier this week that's going to be released is actually an interesting one. It's with two friends of mine who made a documentary. They they produced it and directed it and shot it themselves about the aftermath of Hurricane Michael, oh, wow. which you know hit you know six or seven months ago, I think, yeah. or it may have been even longer. Um, they actually interviewed people who are still dealing with the aftermath of it. And this, the clips on Facebook that I watched are pretty mind blowing as well as the interviews. So that'll be out this Thursday. Uh, they're actually doing a screening for it in Fort Walton beach in a couple of weeks, I think on the 15th of this month. Uh, but check that out this Thursday. Uh, you can follow the show on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D diamond podcast. Awesome. Uh, and you can just go follow me at jfunktastic uh, over on Twitter. And uh, that's about it for me. <laughs> um, but let me go ahead and play our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. And we're at Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Our Patreon is Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And if you can't go throw us a buck or two a month, go leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Snoochie Boochies. Nugans. Master Blaster runs by the town. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.